0: Everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press movie hangouts. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me today is my co-host Universa.
1: Hey, how's everyone doing? Good to uh, be back for one last podcast of the year with my co-host.
0: Yeah, 2021. We did it, we made it now. As as we but like all 2020 know, again, 20, 2020 point two point five and then 2022, which just sounds like mm-hmm. 2020. <laughs> Part two. Uh, I don't know. Years aren't the real problem. It is systemic issues in society that bring us down to these not great places in the world. But what was great was the movie output of 2021. I would argue, anyways. Movies are back. The movies are back until COVID makes us shut
1: down again. Oh, not we thinking sh- about that.
0: Which, uh, but maybe, 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 maybe we should. Maybe we should have government officials uh enact some stay-at-home policies and also vaccination policies and a bunch of other stuff to make people safer just a thought it'd be great if someone did that but that's not what we're going to talk about today we're not here to talk about our left-wing agendas although we definitely have them here listen to our podcast
1: yeah they should have known by now
0: yeah if if you're if you were like here and you're like a republican like uh thanks for listening thanks for watching don't tell me or I'll block you. Um, but, but We're going to talk about our favorite movie. Neil Blomkin. Neil Blank. That was a bummer. Yeah, I said I was going to start when we were planning this episode. I said I was going to start with an anti-NFT rant, just mm-hmm. so you know. I do anti-NFT.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember when you found out. I was trying to explain to you what they were. Yeah, and like, it's like fake things this? that don't have meaning, but we put money behind them.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of funny because cool. then you you start talking to these like tech bros and they're like, well, you know, it's like the, the same thing as like the real economy, but it's all digital. And I'm like, well, you know, the real economy is also made up mm-hmm. as many people have come to realize during the pandemic. So, you know. That it is. Stuff to think about. But again, we're going to talk about positive things. Uh, our, our top 10 movies of the year. Gene, do you think it was a good year for movies?
1: I believe so. I mean, just having blockbuster films back, and having <clears throat> excuse me, having more independent films, and just having the theaters open just automatically makes it a better year than last year. I would yeah. say,
0: uh, and I would say that I'm I'm probably not going back to a the theater for a oh. while. So, like some things I didn't get to check out before the the end of the year, uh, the tragedy of Macbeth, directed by Joel Cohen, uh, shot by my one of my favorite cinematographers, Bruno Del I did not get to watch. It's coming to Apple TV. Um,
1: the cases are going up.
0: I think California just peaked over five million cases, so I won't be yeah. going back to the theater for a minute here. Um, yeah, let's.
1: Um, if you're not comfortable being back, definitely go. Don't go back.
0: Yeah, go go get your vaccinations, get your boosters. Check out our episode with uh, Soren Howe, who helped walk us through some of the the vaccination stuff back last year in March. Um, bummer we're still in this mess, not going to lie. But movies, movies are great. I'm going to eventually release a list of all the movies I enjoyed on my Letterboxed. That will include some TV shows I want to highlight because on Letterbox, we talked about last time with our buddy Brandon on the Christmas episode. Letterbox, I think, is just a great way to like help recommend stuff to as many people as possible that also use the app. That's why some TV shows might make their way there. I will not be listing those TV shows on here because I'm going to stick to movies, stuff I th- saw in a theater mm-hmm. or stuff that was just a movie and not a television show because this is not Letterboxd. This is our podcast. Yeah. Uh, and we also got a lot of responses for people's favorite movies of the year. Five, top five, I asked for everyone. Um, probably not going to read out everyone's, but I'll do my best to try to get to everyone's because I think we still have a couple coming in too. Cool. Um, Gene, are you ready to go? Because I feel like we can kind of just jump into this episode.
1: Yeah, let's Um. actually let
0: me get water. Yeah, let's... yeah, yeah. Don't,
1: <clears throat> don't die. <clears throat> I had uh, something stuck in my throat this morning. Is it a oh. frog? Yeah, I don't know. All right.
0: Well, for those those oh. uh, viewing this, this is a uh, this is my, my cup of coffee, which is multiple espresso shots with water on top of it. Oh. That's the type of year it's been. So, just worth noting that. Okay, uh, you know what? Let me let me start by reading some people's uh favorite movies of the year. So we asked on the Waffle Press, "What are your top five favorite movies of the year?" Uh, our fellow friend co-host Matt Garingo said they didn't justify enough for a best of list, but the f- top five movies are willing to go to bat for West Side Story, Candyman, Cop Shop, Oxygen, Eternals. Now, I just recorded the next retrospective with Matt, so I asked them about this, and they also said that they're really the movies that they felt didn't get the, the just acclaim that they felt they deserved, not so much the top five best of the year, but then Matt also stressed that West Side Story was the best movie of the year, and we'll talk a little bit about that more. Um Last Carlos Alonso Morales, excuse me. Wow, it's, it's early here. Um, he also came in, and uh, of course, guest friend of the show, uh, check out our episode with him. He said, Top five Nighthouse, Last Night in Soho, Encanto, The Green Knight, and The Last Duel. Last Duel, gang. Last Duel is not on my top 10. But I got to see two Ridley Scott movies this year, back to back. Thank you, world, for letting that happen.
1: Yeah, how did that happen?
0: um because really scott's a fucking maniac and he pumps out movies like some people pump out i don't know stuff that they pump out i had no no direction for that metaphor uh jeannie are you ready to go you're how's your throat you yeah good? I'm, yeah i'm ready all right do i need to drop off some tea later probably yeah okay i'll do that all right would you like to go first? Do you want me to go first? We could do like sure. one and one, and we'll we'll just keep going. If we sure. if I have something similar, I'll hold off until I get to it, and or I'll I'll talk about it with you, mm-hmm. and um, we'll play it by ear. Okay, so okay, uh, go for it. what's, what's your number ten?
1: Number ten, I think I would go with uh, Spider Man, No Way Home.
0: Okay, obviously, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. uh so Cameron you're gonna owe me an IMAX ticket anyways um just to prove it you didn't yeah 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 but uh I should say that a lot of people have been saying it is ridiculously good even people that like were
1: lukewarm
0: on Mm -hmm. previous Spider-Man films in the MCU Mm -hmm. but here sorry go ahead I I just thought that was interesting
1: yeah so No Way Home I felt was a good Spider-Man film, first and foremost. Um, In terms of the MCU, it really makes itself beholden only to Spider-Man, which we've had some complaints in the past that they feel too chokeholded by Iron Man, by other heroes. And this one really gets back to the basics, which I really appreciated. And it's just crowd-pleasing. It was nice to see with a crowd when things were... kind of safer (laughs) but um i found myself really enjoying it and just very giddy watching it so that's all i'll say to you without spoiling the whole movie
0: okay good good to know um i i really do think it's interesting though that like something about this one really tickled people's funny bone and uh maybe that that's just a good sign of of the filmmaking, you know, but um, I think there there's some big things that might have tipped people over into the very positive side of things. Uh-huh. But uh, I'll i um, I'll say this: I'm looking forward to it more now from hearing from uh-huh. many pe- people. Messaged me because I think people just know I like Spider-Man, uh-huh. so they're like, "Have you seen it yet? Have you seen it yet?" And then um, other screenwriting pals and mutuals were like, "Hey." I'm interested in your thoughts about this because I was surprised, in a positive way, and that has me more excited than any leaks that we knew going into it, any trailers, which I actually thought looked kind of fun, um, and even pal Dan Doherty was like, you know what, I think you're gonna like it.
1: Oh, hope that and Dan's yeah, doing well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Dan, and uh, of course from him and many other people that recognize far from home is the worst film ever made that they even enjoyed this new one. So thumbs up. That's enough of my rants. All right. My number 10. M night Shyamalan's old. I loved old so much. M night Shyamalan is one of those filmmakers who directs like nobody's business. I think his writing is actually much better than it gets credit for. I think his dialogue's a little goofy sometimes, but I think his ideas are so well communicated visually. There are sequences in this movie that I found very moving without dialogue. I think the scene on the beach between the parents towards the end of the film was really moving. And uh, for a while, I probably would have said it was my favorite film of the year the back half of 2021 had some bangers um was old on your list as well
1: uh no it wasn't actually okay so
0: i won't i won't keep asking for every single time
1: i just want to make sure no we it's all right we don't cross cool. the streams too much or anything mm-hmm. like that all right uh you're number nine number nine i'd go with uh evangelion oh yeah yeah uh, upon oh, a time. And,
0: and you uh you had a podcast with uh with our buddy terrence
1: yeah too right yeah I'd- Me and Terrence uh, reviewed the new one, find it at You Cannot Give Up, so that was pretty fun. And Evangelion is a very satisfying conclusion to the whole franchise, to this mini story that we're presented with, and I just was very happy, even though the ending kind of reminded me of Harry Potter, but as an Evangelion fan, it was very heartwarming to see these characters grow up see them uh, age and well won't spoil it too much but to see them like move past a lot of the uh issues that they had so yeah I was pretty pretty satisfied with it
0: all right and as someone who has not seen any Evangelion yet any how would you guide me through this franchise do I start with the show obviously mm-hmm. and then do I just jump to this movie or are there movies I have to watch before this?
1: Yeah. You have to watch uh three other films. Okay. Um, You don't really need to watch a show to watch the movies, but yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well I'm looking forward to it because you and uh-huh. many others have been hyping up Evangelion for like a long time. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I that'll probably be on the 2022 docket. I'll be, I'll be talking about that. again. Uh-huh. Uh, my number nine and oh. then I'll read off some more tweets. Bad Trip, the Eric Andre movie and Lil Howery movie. And, um, of course, our our beloved actress, whose name I did not remember off the top of my head, so let me check. Uh, Tiffany Haddish, who is great in the movie. Uh Fucking fantastic. Uh, It was directed by Kitao Sakurai, who has done a lot of stuff with, with Eric Andre, I believe. And it's the fake, it's a mockumentary film prank show that i mean you and i were both fans of it but like it's it's a very like distinct vibe that is never really mean spirited and i think showcases american like people at their best because like it's some really like embarrassing like heinous shit that happens fictionally yeah. these people yeah and then like the people like the, the response the the people the, the the prankies get are like really empathetic and, oh. like, they're coming to, like, help the people that, like, are in need in their fake pranks. And I just found that, like, really moving. It's also very funny. I think the, oh. the gorilla joke is maybe a step too far. But, like, it, it's also just fucking hysterical. I, I think it's one of the funniest movies of, like, the last decade alone. But um, it's on Netflix. I'd recommend everyone watch it because it, it's uh, it's one of the or few not. good movies of the year. All right. Uh, at Billy Jarrett Ugg, our boy Billy uh, said pig. Raging Fire, Matrix Resurrections, Malignant, Wrath of Man. Thumbs up is what I'll say right now.
1: Love Wrath of Man.
0: Wrath of Man. Wrath of Man is not on my top ten, uh, but it's a fucking yeah. banger. It's one of those movies I saw and I was just like, "Fuck yeah, that's a fucking movie." Guy Ritchie, Hive. Let's go. Uh-huh. Um, at Ahil Diani, uh, old film Twitter pal. Fourteen Peaks. Nothing is impossible. Shirney, Malignant. Tick tick boom. To Tom oh. I did watch Tick Tick Boom. Uh, thumbs up. Oh. I did not think I'd like it need to watch that. It's it's good. Andrew Garfield gives a great performance. It's not like a runaway hit, but um, it's good. It is a solid movie, and uh, it's very touching. It's, it was it was clearly made with a lot of love, and even some talent. So good job, everyone. Uh, our boy Brandon Swafford at number five in the Heights mitchell's versus the machines bad trip the suicide squad and again spider-man no way home if you're curious about his and gene's thoughts on spider-man no way home check out our previous episode mm-hmm. prior to christmas where we also talked about venom and yeah. what venom 3 should be you just how. dipped
1: out too in that episode
0: yeah and uh venom 3 maybe mm-hmm. maybe some andrew garfield action from what we're hearing in the trades who knows mm. that's not that's not a scoop that's just what the the film twitter tells me but all right gene you're number eight
1: number eight i would go with nightmare alley
0: i didn't get to see it please tell me everything about it
1: yeah so another del toro film and it's it's uh basically his version of freaks um that's what i kind of felt even though this is a remake of uh well well, what's another adaption of the book nightmare alley and this is uh, such a gothic film from Del Toro. It's it's overly long, maybe to a fault, but I certainly didn't mind. It's a uh, Maccabear sort of uh, tale from him. And just the whole cast is just electric in it. And it just really goes to uh, town in terms of having Del Toro do another period piece. And it's just... um you know he just wanted to get lost in that world so i was very appreciative of you know we got another del toro movie was it marketed or successful probably not but we did get another del toro movie
0: yeah like at the very least like like his. uh i've seen the mixed reviews but i also saw mixed reviews for crimson peak and that movie's basically a masterpiece so like I'm really looking forward to it. I have heard, like, unanimously that it is a little long, (laughs) though. Even from people that are like, it's one of the best movies of the year. But, so, that probably doesn't bode well. But, yeah, no one better for atmosphere and uh, evoking the pulp sensibilities that we like with the genre stuff than Guillermo del Toro. Really looking forward to that. Speaking of pulp, my number eight is Paul Verhoeven's Return to the Cinema. Benedetta the horny nun movie as it is called the horny now, nun movie wow yeah but it is also oh. much more than a horny nun movie it okay. is a movie about power faith how one has to survive in institutions it also takes place during a plague and it was filmed before oh. the outbreak of covid-19 a little really? weird to watch now oh. So it's one of those movies that accidentally is of the moment, you know, uh-huh. where it's like, how do you exist in a world where institutions and faith might oh. guide your perspective and ability to connect with other people in life? while a plague is happening and are power are people in power paying enough attention and making enough movements to, to kind of safeguard society. Probably not. It's weird that history keeps repeating itself like this, even now. Um, but it's fantastic. Paul Verhoeven is kind of known as like a sort of a horn dog director, and like that's true, but he also is like a director that understands like the the, the joy of of cinema. Uh-huh. Like it's he makes films that tend to be very fun. I wouldn't say something like L is very fun, but it is a great film. Uh, it's kind of amazing that he was nominated for in like the academy awards for that film i'm very happy about that still mm-hmm. don't think Benedetta's getting that recognition though because religious stuff tends to be too controversial we can't yeah. have, we can't have controversial religious stuff that's ridiculous
1: mm-hmm. um well he, isn't first reform
0: first reform yeah but first reform is not like i mean paul schrader is also like a horn dog mm. um but, like,
1: but he, he's
0: also like weird on mm-hmm. facebook posts and I don't think Paul Verhoeven is weird publicly. Yeah. I don't know if he's weird behind the scenes. I just...
1: Hopefully, hopefully yeah. not.
0: Hopefully not, because he's like one of the best to do it. Um, but First Reformed is also like, which is a great movie. And I I, I would argue better than Benedetta. Um, although Benedetta, I would argue is better than The Card Counter, which is not on my top 10, but is a great film. And I recommend everyone to watch. Uh, whereas First Reformed is like, is kind of like how do you live in a world that kind of is telling you that like hey we're like running out of time
1: mm-hmm. and that
0: like we're not doing anything about like the impending doom that is kind of lingering in the horizon like we all see it coming we all know things aren't working whereas Benedetta is kind of like it, it, it's the very premise is a little more raunchy it is also um based on historical events sister Benedetta was like a real person and like these are like historical events with the skewed perspective of verhoeven like the idea of like religion is mm-hmm. something that can guide people in terms of like faith like faith is not a bad thing religious institutions might be you know but i think it's it's a, it's a film that understands the difference between that and i would argue paul verhoeven does as well i also I, this year i read his book on jesus of nazareth which, which is fantastic you know um, and he's not a guy who's religious he just finds jesus fascinating and refers to him as like a historical figure you know so um yeah benedetta is great I could, I could talk about it forever uh it's it's fantastic but but uh gene you're number seven so i don't just start <laughs> talking about like robocop and shit next
1: yeah well we could talk about robocop we, we could talk know. a
0: lot about robocop
1: <laughs> yeah um probably go with the suicide squad Ooh, okay salt that together thanks to beyond fest and the second viewing and first feeling was a little frustrating i'll disclose that for whatever reason but that second viewing, I was like, really jazzed by it. Um, it's James Gunn at his most James Gunn in terms of what he was able to do, and I think DC is maybe a better, better fit for him than Marvel, huh? A little bit. It, wait, we will huh. see
0: for uh, Guardians Peacemaker? Three. Oh. I, oh, Peacemaker. I'm I'm actually really looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, and we 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 will see. It feels like. I know there's a lot of controversy around Warner brothers and, and rightfully so given mm-hmm. how certain producers have handled things, but that does kind of seem like to be the last bastion of like Hollywood creative creativity on like a in a weird way. Yeah. Budget. yeah. So like, I think there's another movie that's going to pop up on both of our lists. That's kind of evidence of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Things are complicated. Um, but yeah. Sorry. Suicide squad. Go no, ahead. that's
1: all right. And, yeah, just the characters were just so comic booky. Like, just having King Shark in there, amazing. Uh, Ratcatcher too. Um, just you know, characters or it's like Mongal. It's like no one knows who that is, but just the fact that you could have them in there and it's just funny too. Like I love uh, the bit with Milton, where they don't know who who that is and he just died helping them. Such a uh, sweet mean spirited film so it's just such a like a like a heart it's like one of those like uh sweet and sour candies
0: yeah that that's a good way of putting it um because it is very crass and it doesn't just feel like it doesn't feel like like a film that's just a a comedy or an action movie or etc i think it's the best action james guns ever done i was a big fan of it as well it is also not in my top 10 but I do own it now and it is a film that I've been like casually revisiting and rewatching because it it is thoroughly entertaining and uh, I I hope they keep making Suicide Squads because this one was really good and the premise is like one of the best premises to to come out of like comic book history so shout out to John Estrander who kind of created like this idea of the Suicide Squad great writer Yeah, yeah, his his run is tons of fun. I've been checking it out online, and so uh, thumbs up. Go 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 check that out. Uh, Some more some more responses. Let's see. Wrong tab. My bad. Um, at D Benedetto Ryan said uh, number one No Way Home, number two Dune, three Prisoners of the Ghost Land, four Titan, five Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, I think we're both positive on Godzilla versus Kong still. We had a lot of fun doing that that round table episode with mac ringo and and shaq to lambert so cool. go go check that out tons of fun um prisoner of the prisoners of the ghost land which i also talked a little I, bit about yeah. after our sundance was, episode Thumbs up, happy also that. not on my list uh but yeah see what i mean spider-man no way home is like making lots of lists so mm-hmm. something tells me that it, it might be worth checking out sooner mm-hmm. than later we, yeah. we shall see my, I got to be honest, one of my plans was to go like after the new year to the theater to watch it. Mm. And now I'm like, I'll prop this paper <laughs> Yeah, And it's not even the movie's fault at this point. So. Yeah. Um, at Film Booth, Ben, this is unlikely to change by the end of the week. So West Side Story, The Matrix Resurrections, Zack Snyder's Justice League, Teton, Licorice Pizza. I love the love for Teton. That's what I will say now. Oh, and licorice like pizza a which I, out there yeah um i did not watch licorice pizza yet so oh, okay yeah sorry everyone um
1: still have a chance to watch it
0: i do yeah yeah uh we'll see you in cases die down and if they stop pulling it from theaters for uh spider-man releases yeah it's weird that no one's talking about these movies getting pulled because of spider-man whatever uh sorry number seven did you give number seven already that was suicide squad
1: uh, I just yeah I just gave right
0: okay number seven for me is Dune Denis Villeneuve's part one um no I still don't think it's like a masterpiece but like Jesus talk about like blockbuster spectacle um I I've that's one of the the most like entertaining theater experiences and home viewing experiences I had because I saw it both in both formats mm-hmm. and it's like I don't know I I just I think we don't give credit to when spectacle is done really well. I think people think like, oh, I need like style or substance. It's like, well, style tends to be substance. You know, when it's Mm -hmm. done like well, it's not just throwing shit at the screen. It's like, it's a very calculated, very moving picture with vast landscapes Mm -hmm. and that takes full advantage of like the IMAX format. Also a fun fact, it was shot digitally by uh, cinematographer Greg Frazier and then transposed onto a film print for added film grain and then like reprocessed that way. Wow. Which gave it like this interesting texture. And I don't know. I just, I found that really it's interesting. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like you can do different things like with the medium. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, really great. A lot of people talk about doing so go. I mean, you, you've all probably seen it by now. Like, I don't know. It's good. Go watch it. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> all right, Gene, you're next up.
1: Uh, quiet place part two
0: interesting have not seen it yet
1: hmm. yeah i was really a fan of uh these films um i love the first one by john krasinski and the whole cast is great um this one reminded me of uh even more so of the last of us which i think we like the first one uh, you haven't played the second one but
0: i have played the second one. Oh, you did and, okay and i think it's both better and worse than it gets credit for
1: hmm. all right yeah sorry go ahead but yeah quiet place part two i was uh finding myself very much enjoying the uh the uh cinematography in it and just the sound design i mean these these are such well crafted movies in terms of like especially sound design because they really have to uh make that a point in the film but um i was just i was enjoying the story and then just being in this world but also just the uh the heart of this film is just like the kids and seeing them interact and they're and, uh the child actors are just really green and just the family. You're really rooting for them in this post-apocalyptic world. So quiet place part two.
0: I, I like the first one a lot.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm looking it was almost to a Cloverfield movie.
0: Yeah. When, when they tried to make Cloverfield sequels happen regularly uh-huh. and then everyone saw the Cloverfield paradox. Anyways, number six mm-hmm. for me is Malignant, Yeah. <laughs> the James Wan genre masterpiece, which you think starts off as a spooky haunted house ghost story movie, which he could basically do in his sleep by now. We mm-hmm. all know that. And it becomes something else entirely. Now, I will not talk about this film any further, because if you know what happens, you know what happens. If you don't, holy fucking shit. Go watch it immediately. Mm-hmm. It is wild. One of the right. few films I genuinely regret not watching in a theater. Because the turns this movie takes, I shit you not every like 10 to 15 minutes, but like by the halfway point, I just started like gasping. I don't gasp during movies. I'm not like a gasper, you know. Like a movie has to be like real, like really get me to get me to like react, especially like in right. a public place. Uh like some movies did on this list later. Mm-hmm. But like malignant, I was just like, at home by myself, and I was like, Oh, just like, oh my like, what is happening? But it's in like a fun way, not like a what were they thinking? Although there's a little bit of that. Um, it pays off in spades. It's part giallo, part schlock all love, all love to the genre stuff. Um, go watch it. It's tons of fun. It is not the shining, it is just go n- knowing that it's more Sam Raimi. Then The Shining.
1: There you that go. All said. Yeah. Uh, Didn't make my list, but very much enjoyed most of that.
0: Okay, good, 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 good. Let me see. All right. Let me read out a couple more. Uh, oh, here you go. Dan Doherty again. At Cold Take Artist. No Time to Die. Old. Come on, come on. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Spider-Man No Way Home. Again, Spider-Man No Way Home. Cool. Uh, come on, come on is another one. Uh, I, I didn't catch yet. It's directed by Mike Mills. It's a black and white film starring Joaquin Phoenix. It's apparently very good. And that's, yeah, I, I haven't seen it yet. Sorry. Uh, but next up, that's your number five, right, Gene?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. What do you got?
1: I have uh, No Time to Die. Okay. Me, exactly. Mine oh, nice.
0: We did not talk about this beforehand. No Time to Die is fucking great. I'll oh, go ahead. Because I just talked about Malignant.
1: <laughs> no, that's right. Um... Yeah, No Time to Die, I thought, was a great send-off to Bond, to that franchise, that story. Um, I still love that ending shot um, in the ending line, just having his uh, love interest say Bond, James Bond, iconic, and then start pulling Louis Armstrong's uh, we had all the time in the world. Great old-timer ending. And and uh, just I was just really... Glad to finally see this movie. It got delayed so many times. Uh, delayed when it started filming, delayed during the pandemic twice. And the the wait was worth it. Um, we certainly talked a lot about this movie on one of the podcast and with our friend Justin. And it's just such a it's a, just a great send-off and very and very well written and in terms of a spy movie, solid. Uh, does that have the best villain, probably not, but Rami Malek does a fine enough job for what he does for for what's written. So, yeah. there you go. I
0: would uh, I would agree with all that, and I, to to the film's credit, I think it actually gets even better rewatching mm-hmm. it because I did not get like that moved. I ended up not going into it that much in our spoiler talk. So go, I mean, that's where you'll get all the meat and potatoes of our thoughts on this no huh. Time to dive. Which I still hold to, but now I just like it even more. Um, I I watched it at home and James Bond standing on the edge of oblivion with a stuffed bunny strapped to his belt. That's the most badass image of 2021. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the coolest fucking thing ever. Like, that's a man right there. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: It's it's annihilated by nuclear weapons.
0: Well, no, no, they're regular weapons, but they're both, they're so bad. (laughs) And it it is fucking great. Uh, It is one of the better James Bond films. I think it's, one of the films, like Dune, that handles spectacle really well. Like, the uh-huh. action is, like, really great. Like, some movies that I really loved this year, I was, like, not impressed by the action that much, um, which we'll talk about a little later. But I thought No Time to Die was, was, like, this is so good. It is still one of the most profitable films of the year, too. And because of the delays, it's just interesting to think about, like, yeah, it had to make a billion dollars, and it just didn't. So it will be written up as a loss. Uh-huh which is like so fascinating because it's like it was a success but it wasn't a success in terms of like the weight yeah which is like weird because like so many people love this movie rightfully so yeah um,
1: a lot of fans
0: yeah
1: and it's we'll the, just see the amazon james bond
0: we will see how that goes thank god the broccolis are like we won't do a spinoff it's like oh good but then this is like the one time where i see like the characters uh played by like ana de armas and like um oh it's it's, she's she's fucking great lasana lynch Mm -hmm. i'm like put them in a movie together like yeah i don't want to spin off the bond either but like if you got to do it right there they're good to go because i really like those characters but um exactly yeah uh no time to die go listen to our spoiler podcast it's it's fun stuff there and i've only gotten more positive on it yeah Uh, let's just go to your number four then we had the same number five
1: yeah i would go with um in the earth by uh the homie Ben Whiteley, yeah, yes,
0: and the homie Ben, ben Wheatley. Uh, ben not Wheatley, on my list, so go ahead,
1: yeah. Um, I just thought it was a good, it was just such an uh, uh, unintentional encapsulation of COVID. Um, the way the uh, just the movie plays with uh, just I don't know. Just, I mean, it comes out during a pandemic. We watch it during a pandemic, and it's just you really related a, a lot to this, and uh, just the story itself. Um, I just found very captivating. Um, I think you pointed out where it's just this uh, white dude that's like captured, captured to uh, people of color, and he's just you know messing with them. And it was just such a just a well crafted story, and it just felt very of its time. So got to uh really appreciate that
0: yeah uh, it's not on my list but i would recommend that one too if you're like uh thrillers i I don't think it's um i think it's a little tense for like uh like if we're recommending like oh yeah like dune no time to die not that those movies don't have moments of like tenseness but like i think it's a little more niche than those um but definitely definite still thumbs up and i'm really looking forward to what ben wheatley does on the meg too yeah yeah, not Tomb Raider. Oh, yeah, R.I.P. Tomb Raider. So.
1: Yeah,
0: <sighs> can't win them all. But yeah, the Meg too. Looking forward to that. All right, my number four, Titan. I love Titan. Titan, whatever it's pronounced as, it's yeah. French. It's very French. As
1: the French
0: do. Yeah, it's, it's very fucking French. Julia, de Carnal, is one of my favorite up and coming directors so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this. I love Raw. I love the short film she did called Junior, which is definitely the lightest thing she's ever done. Uh Titan is, is pretty heavy. It's I mean, I guess I could talk about it now. It's like about a serial killer who who also might be dealing with issues of like body dysmorphia and and understanding their identity and changing for like a, a love that they don't even realize that they need and that for better or worse like true love is like platonic or romantic is something that's like it could be healing or dangerous uh-huh. um, and I think it's up to the viewer to determine which is which I found it like very moving and it has several of my favorite filmmaking instances of the year. I tweeted it out, but the little moment with all the firefighters just kind of vibing. It's like this moment of like masculinity where like you don't see that type of masculinity on screen very often. I think it's very no, no, no. rare to see men just enjoy company in a way that's not like jokey or no. uh, uh, just, I don't know, it's a very empathetic film even for for people that may not deserve it but it's not about deserving it's just about perspective and uh that's the beauty of fiction that you can do that i love this movie it should have been the uh one of the foreign best picture noms and it wasn't so go fuck yourself no it's, i mean yeah go fuck yourself but like yeah it should have gotten can. nominated i think can. That's, that's a whole other thing i'm not going to get into that <laughs> um you're number three gene what do you got
1: it was The uh, Green Knight.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, something else not on my list. A great film. Also, go we ahead. had an episode on it, so go check mm-hmm. that out. But yeah, go ahead. Green Knight. A Christmas movie. It is a Christmas movie. Yeah. Yes. And a shout out to Sarah Sorrentino, who joined us on that episode. Yeah, go, that was fun. Yeah, go 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 check out Film Cred. Thumbs up.
1: Um, but yeah,
0: Green Knight. What did you think?
1: Again. Yeah, I thought it was... Um, yeah, The Green Knight. I was very uh i was just uh, satisfied with from beginning to end um had some high expectations and it met and exceeded all of them but just the story that david awry crafts and you know hearing him talk about it on other podcasts and him describe the creative process and the editing in this movie just it feels feels like such a such a masterpiece and it's um it was just fun to watch in a theater, too. It was just, um, looked great on that screen. Uh, you're missing something if you didn't see it. Uh, I believe it got re released, so that's cool. And it's just the cinematography, everything about it just looks so like so impeccable. And I was just so impressed by it and love to make a movie like that. We could all aspire to. So that would, uh, and then too, I'm just still thinking about it. It's a movie that makes you think, like, some of the ambiguity of a lot of those of uh, some of those scenes and storylines still, still has me thinking months later. So.
0: Yeah. Again, another film that really leaves like a viewer interpretation up to it. You know I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, Sarah, and I had very different perspectives and conversations about what we walked away from the film with. And that's mm-hmm. totally intentional. You know, I mean, it, it was, um, that was a great viewing experience that g- give it a couple weeks. That might, Swap out like Bad Trip or Old for me because yeah. like it, it was really good like that's definitely a, a a top fifteen to twenty situation for me for sure yeah like if we, we should have done all honorable mentions it would have been on there um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's great and Dev Patel is, is uh, remarkable both he and the VFX and in a perfect world uh, the director should have all been nominated or yeah. at least been on the short list because the short lists are out now and I was uh kind of dumbfounded that the VFX weren't nominated mm-hmm. <laughs> as like for the budget that they shot this for I think it was a little more than they initially reported but like mm-hmm. still it looks just unbelievable it's another movie yeah. that handles spectacle very well it's just a it couple really sequences with that but it, it yeah, it's really impressive
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and number three it is Nobuhiku Obayashi's final film The Labyrinth of Cinema Cool. which I talked about a lot with Gene on, on a prior podcast. Um, I stand by everything I said about it. it it's a brilliant film. Uh, I sat through the entire three hours plus credits because I, I was so captivated by what I was watching on screen. I believe it's still available on movie MUBI, M-U-B-I, M-U-B-I uh, which is also how I finally saw Kathy Yan's Dead Pigs. Don't know if that counts as a 2021 release. It's not on my top 10, but another movie I'd recommend. If you have MUBI. Uh, go check it out. Uh, to Labyrinth of Cinema. Now. Go watch everything by director Obayashi because he was kind of the goat and never really took off besides House, which is great, which is a great movie. Um, make no mistake, but he, he's got a lot of stuff that, that's really um, just this fascinating mixture of art forms. So uh, yeah, go go watch it if you want to like like feel elated like you know the move the feeling after you watch like a truly great movie, you kind of head back out into the world and you're just like like the world almost feels different a little bit Mm -hmm. right like that's definitely like i just kind of wandered and took pictures of stuff after watching that and i'd drive out to fucking beverly hills Mm -hmm. um yeah it was it was a hell of a drive um yeah labyrinth of cinema fantastic uh i can't i can't talk enough about it let me make sure, I might read out one more response. Sure. Then, we, then we can do our, our top two. Uh, at FluffyMan85, Brian K Myers, uh, hashtag trans rights or human rights? Absolutely. Alright, the top five, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Number four, Spider-Man No Way Home. Number three, The Suicide Squad. Number two, The Mitchells vs. the Machines. And number one, The Green Knight. So, there you go, Gene. More Green Knight love.
1: Yeah. And the Mitchells or Machines. I was very happy with this one,
0: which I still need to watch. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm not perfect. It's all right, sorry. Right. I don't claim to be perfect. I put on my pants one leg at a time, like everyone else. All right, number two, Gene. What do you got? Let's fucking do this.
1: Godzilla versus Kong. Damn. Okay. Anything like that? What's what's not to love about this movie? Godzilla and Kong fight. Uh, it's uh, probably edited to hell, but it's so uh, entertaining. And seeing Godzilla just getting punched in the face by Kong and seeing these two uh, Titans fight each other on an aircraft in Hong Kong if in the future. Fucking, it's amazing. I love this movie. Is it FOD? Yes. And, but everything about it just feels so perfect. Like Kong and Godzilla just teaming up to fight Mega Godzilla. Um, Godzilla clearly winning against Kong, but. Kong being uh, kind of the hero of the movie because he gets to kill Mecha amazing and yeah there's not too much to say I was that was uh probably the movie that I was most excited for this year and look how it turned out.
0: Yeah and if you remember, I was very worried about mm-hmm. that uh, for the Kong movie oh. I didn't love for the director I don't love mm-hmm. very pleasant surprise tons of fun is like the perfect way of describing that one yeah not my top one not on my honorable mention but it is very fun and it it is yeah i mean that's like blockbuster that was a that was the first movie that kind of proved that people were still interested in the theater you know Mm -hmm. so it's like shout out to to godzilla versus kong for being the first movie to kind of swoop in and save hollywood i guess yeah you know put respect on its name
1: wasn't tenant
0: no it was not tenant <laughs> which is it honestly might have had it been delayed a year though like yeah because people like christopher nolan and that movie made bank for being in the middle of the pandemic
1: the yeah it would year. have uh saved his relationship with warner brothers for sure
0: yeah i i, I don't think he was happy with that rollout is no what i will say all right my number two it's Matrix Resurrections. Yes, just did the retrospective on it. It's Matrix Resurrections is it a little rough around the edges? We could say, sure. Is the action a little messy? Sure. Is that intentional? Yes. Does that make it okay? Also, now, which is what we talk about in the podcast. And I also want to shout out the Action for Everyone podcast with uh, another one of our guests from this year, Liam O'Donnell, who is a co-host along along with two of Action Film Twitters best boys vice victus and mike and the apocalypse um they they talk about it in depth with uh the writer of mandy by the way another beloved movie on this podcast aaron stewart on and they kind of break down different perspectives on what they thought worked what they thought didn't um i am with aaron stewart on and and mike when they talk about it being one of the best movies of the year if not their favorite movie of the year I thought it was fantastic. I saw at the Chinese theater. Shout out to the Chinese theater by the way for also having vaccine requiring vaccine cards, masks. Uh really the vaccine card thing is is a big deal because you yeah. can't even get close to the entrance without the vaccine thing, so mm-hmm. That's how you do it. Good job. Um it was great. The perfect response to this film from what I'm seeing on social media was also encapsulated in the theater because people were like cheering when Trinity and Neo reunite and then also some dudes were like I want to go into the matrix and wipe this movie from my memory. That's the entire spectrum of responses to this movie. It's like, you love it. You hate it. And then other people who silently walk out of the theater and don't talk about it anymore because they're normal. So Mm -hmm. uh, I loved it. Yeah. We haven't talked about it yet, Gene, because we haven't seen each other in a while, but uh, yeah, yeah, I I thought it was fucking great.
1: Yeah. I was, I was certainly, I enjoyed it um, as a nice like epilogue, I guess, to the original trilogy. Mm Mm-hmm. yeah um this isn't gonna start a new trilogy it seems like right
0: no warner brothers totally wants to do it i mean the movie openly has lana wachowski saying like no they were gonna do it with or without us but Mm -hmm. because i had a story i wanted to tell i came back and thankfully she did because i i think it's the most tender and loving of the matrix films. yes yeah like the, the matrix beforehand not that it was wrong i love the original trilogy now um i really had a great time revisiting those for the retrospective but like this is definitely a huge love letter to the artists i guess you know and and the the audience that needs it you know not the ones that kind of misconstruct it which the film i think openly addresses very very well uh is it your number one gene
1: uh no no but okay. it's like an honorable mention okay okay I, did, I, was just, I wasn't sure because i didn't want to like steal no, your thunder right talking no, no, about it too much all right <laughs> yeah yes right. uh it was just i really enjoyed the matrix resurrections for what it was um and i was uh, i was very happy because i you know i watched it at home um wish i could have seen it in the theater but with all the cases and i i really enjoyed Anna her vision of this matrix like 60 years in the future and uh just seeing all where all the characters were seeing where the world was and uh just revisiting neo and trinity one more time is just it's just nice i guess it's like uh the force awakens but better
0: yeah i mean it's openly like the jessica henwick character is ray mm-hmm. it's it's just ray from star wars but not just ray from star wars it is also much more and we love ray Ray's not the problem with that last yeah. Star Wars movie, as we've talked about. But like, um, I like think Jessica Bugs, Henwick. Je- Jessica Henwick, who was also almost Ray, mm-hmm. by the way, she was one of the, the, the on the short list. Um, I've I think Bugs is like my favorite new character in mm-hmm. like the last five years. I love Bugs. I don't want Matrix sequels without the Wachowskis. But then I'm like, well, if, if someone yeah. came up to me and was like, "Let's do a, a Bugs trilogy spinoff," I'd be like. I'm not gonna fight you. Jessica Henwick was like born to be a star. She kicks ass in this movie. Mm-hmm. She, I mean, she's great. and uh, not not to give too much away because I, I know it's a really recent release, but like her crew of like cyberpunk pals, I've always wanted to see that in like a big science fiction movie. So for me, that was like perfect. It, like when I walked out of the movie, I was like, it was perfect. It's not. And I was like, it's the best movie ever made. It's also not but that's like how I, f- I felt so like elated. I was so excited and it's packed with ideas that like every Wachowski sisters project will take like a decade to fully unpack. So yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, was, I was quite happy and uh, I hope the Wachowski sisters don't stay gone too long. I'm curious if they'll work again. Cause I know they're working on different stuff now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warner brothers has also openly said that they will work with Lana Wachowski again for matrix or otherwise. So
1: looking Thumbs forward up. to that yeah
0: yeah yay all right number one unless there's anything else you want to talk about
1: no no i can just go to my number one for sure all right let's fucking do it number one what do you got licorice pizza damn haven't seen it yet yeah well, yeah i mean uh you have to go to bat for that um yeah i just thought that was a movie where it's just vibes i guess okay. someone's texting me i don't like the pod but it's like it's not really about the plot it's just these uh two characters, um, I guess kind of falling in love with each other. I mean, there's a gap in their ages, but it's a very innocent sort of love. And the two actors, um, it's like Copper Hoffman and, uh, Elena, um, Haim are just really like stellar in these roles. And like, you really like root for them as people to, uh, like get over a lot of their like problems and, like the hijinks that they get into is just like, you know, it's just that like these two like kids just like making it through um just the time period of the seventies. Uh, having uh John Peters attack them uh, you know he's like a horror movie character in this little segment. John Peters, the crazy producer that is uh wanting spiders and Superman, amazing um, they mess up his waterbed uh they're they're uh, just hijinks uh having like a waterbed store um benny satafi's character he's oh, like benny
0: Safty. he's Safdie.
1: yeah he's in it yeah he's <laughs> okay. there's a politician plays joel walks uh, and these are all like these aren't fictional people that they run into these are people that actually like existed and were uh were around and just seeing just seeing this time period uh in the valley, and Paul Thomas Anderson's probably his most personal movie. On, I just I fell in love with it. I just liked, and just like vibing with these two characters for like two and a half hours. So, yeah,
0: yeah, that's interesting because like I, I think Paul Thomas Anderson, like when I don't know if you ever read any of his scripts that are available online. I haven't. Should probably correct. That. They're weird. Yeah. Um, and I think it's only when you watch like his movies do you really get like a grasp of what he's going for. Where it's like, it's not always structured through like traditional like plot stuff, which is probably why people have like a weird response to like this or Inherent Vice. Uh, although people seem to love like Phantom Thread unanimously, which, yeah. which I agree with. I love Phantom Thread.
1: Mm-hmm. But like,
0: um, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting that you bring that up because I, I think that's that's really his strength. He, he really gets you invested in like the characters and like the emotion of his story. So yeah. um, I'm definitely looking forward to it. That trailer is fucking killer. I love know? that trailer. So we, we were geeking out about that, like when it dropped. So, um yeah. Starman
1: can't go wrong there.
0: Yeah, yeah. um That yeah, it's it's great to hear. It's, it's all of this stuff kind of gets like near unanimous buzz. So I'm I'm looking forward to it, eventually. Again, eventually. I I don't know when I'm going to go back to the theater for a while, but um, yeah hopefully cases start dropping and stuff and
1: yeah well want hopefully yeah want to yeah. see yours though what's your number one
0: yeah number one i literally just saw it yesterday west side story <laughs> west side story is is the movie that spielberg has like i mean he's been dying to make it but i think he, he was born to make it mm-hmm. um the original west side story is like a monumental film for me it's the movie that really got me to fall in love with musicals at a young age. Um, I, I think it's like one of the best examples of like technicolor and like cinemascope. I, I mm-hmm. think it's like one of the best looking movies ever. The choreography is like maybe still undefeated. Sorry Spielberg. Yeah. But uh, if you're going to remake West Side Story, the only way you get me on board is with someone like fucking Steven Spielberg. And from like the opening shot of the movie, I was like, holy fuck he did it and mm-hmm. that feeling never let up i think this is one of the best directed movies ever like like across time <laughs> um that might just be me riding a high because i've only seen it once but like it just immediately skyrocketed there so it's been a very good two weeks for me is what i'm saying at the movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like i, I think what side story is is yeah, i mean there's there's the the dark cloud in the front of the film, yeah, with we'll uh, named. Ansel Elgort, an alleged monster man. Who, um, I get that being a deal breaker for some people. That's just, that's a very real thing. The the film just you you can't predict, and you know I I understand why he wasn't recast because it's harder to recast for a musical that takes months and months of pre production and planning uh, versus you know, Christopher Plummer and all the money in the world. Mm -hmm. So I I understand why that wasn't Rishai. It doesn't make it any better. Mm -hmm. I will say he's not untalented. It is still very unfortunate that he's in the movie. Now, I was able to look past that. That doesn't mean I'm right. It just means I was able to. And I, I did not think it affected the film. Someone else thought that affected the film. I will completely understand. But I do think it's undeniable that Spielberg is like kind of the star of this movie yeah yeah basically he is is just doing some shit where i'm just like fuck man i i I think i tweeted it out like my review of it was like i feel like i woke up from the matrix and i realized (laughs) that every musical of the last 20 years was fake i completely stand by that comment Mm -hmm. i love la la land i still like la la land a lot Mm -hmm. worthless (laughs)
1: Yeah, worthless like film. That's
0: not true. But like, God, d- the, these dance numbers are great. I really love the restructuring of some of the musical numbers because uh, I, I love West Side Story so much. Yeah, so like cool. Real note what about happens it. before the fight now instead of after the fight because it's trying to like tone down the the anxiety and the violence. So like, the cultural like tension just <laughs> builds constantly instead of like letting the audience kind of. Ruminate on anything like that. And it just never stops. And it's like it's almost paced like a thriller, but it's this great romance, mostly because of Rachel Zegler's breakout performance, who's gotten mm-hmm. like a lot of publicity on Twitter for being like a very fun Twitter follow. She's she's very funny. If you want like a good laugh, Ooh. uh follow right. her on Twitter. She's hysterical. Um, but she's also, I mean, this is like a SARS-born moment. It is absolutely like someone just knocking the doors down and announcing their arrival to Hollywood. Um, Ariana DeBose, who I was not familiar with before this, she plays Nita in this version, mm-hmm. is also incredible, and deals with some pretty harsh material, frankly. Yeah, and she, um, yeah, she fucking kills in this too. I, I think her and Rachel Zegler are the standouts, uh, along with uh David Alvarez, who mm-hmm. I, I really really liked as as Bernardo in
1: this version. Yeah, yeah, he's great. I was gonna say Rita Moreno is also, um, a great uh, character. And a great character actor in this movie as well.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really great that they brought her back. Yeah, And I like how it's like, she's not just a doc replacement. It's like, let's just something right. different with that character now. And like, let's adapt it differently. Because I mean, when, mm-hmm. you, when you adapt like Romeo and Juliet, because West Side Story is Romeo and Juliet with more Basically. insight into to different cultures and right. economic issues, which are touched upon in the original film, uh, specifically the race stuff is, is the big draw. And this one really has this, this lingering weight of like gentrification over the entire proceedings and how like I mean it's not like a mind-blowing thing, but it is like nice to see movies address it where it's like like cultural like wars between different communities are kind of obviously bullshit. And especially like in the in the sites of what's actually like happening in the world around us you know and it's like yeah none of this means anything and like the culmination of that is really heartbreaking and uh i wonder what this was like watching at lincoln center because it did have a premiere there because the opening of this film is about the building of the lincoln center Mm -hmm. in new york city so (laughs) it's like that's like shocking to me you know like that that happened (laughs) But yeah, um, like Spielberg is kind of like a traditional Hollywood neoliberal, right? Like, he's not like a hardcore left wing guy. He's not a hardcore right wing guy. He's kind of just like, why don't we all get along? Yeah, and that's fine because he's not the president of the fucking United States. Right, he's an artist. But this this one definitely has more of a a, a left wing twist to it. Almost, I won't say twist. That's yeah, weird. yeah, I would say so. Yeah, it was. Um, I don't know. I, I could gush about it forever. I think it's one of the best movies I've ever seen, especially in the theater. Uh, I can't wait to watch it for the rest of my life and spoilers for happy Amblin I guess all this but uh i I think it's like top five Spielberg it I, I was really wowed by it and I, it was definitely one of my most anticipated of the year but like I remember geeking out about this with like one of our our mutual buddies um uh, also a, a filmmaker in their own right Kyle Thor mm-hmm. and because we were like having a, a disagreement about some other musical I can't remember. Yeah. But I do remember us being like, but West Side Story, that's going to be the shit. Mm-hmm. That was like in 2018. So it's great to finally see it realized and yeah. have it blow away my expectations. And shout out to Janis Kaminsky, cinematographer that Spielberg works with all the time now. Uh, I, I don't think he, him and Spielberg always get like the right match for their productions. I think this was like, for this West Side Story,
1: Yeah, the, the look of it is incredible. And then they're they're fighting in this like crumbling neighborhood. Amazing. Yeah, it, it's that. great. And
0: you know, like I love the technicolor look of the original. That's not what this one's going for. Cause I remember like a lot of the discourse starting when like, oh, everything looks so gray and beige. And it's like
1: mm-hmm.
0: I, I kind of agreed with that back then. I was like, Yeah, oh, I, mean? I like that aesthetic and, for sure. And, and now it totally works because it's not like like there's a difference between shit looking like concrete on accident because it didn't color grade the footage. Mm-hmm. This is very much like a drab realization of like a broken American dream. You know? Yeah. Yeah, um, basically, basically. And shout it. out to Steven Sondheim, the creator of this original musical who, you know, since
1: passed away this month. Yeah, you got to watch a, a screener of it I'm I'm told.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um I mean, him and Spielberg worked together like on this too, like like Sondheim yeah. was part of the process, not like super hands-on or anything because he was an older guy. Uh, God rest his soul, but like he was he was involved. He mm-hmm. Spielberg clearly respected him, I think. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I could talk about this movie forever. I will talk about <laughs> it forever. It yeah, I know app. you will.
1: You can. Yeah,
0: yeah, I will. Um, I mean, we talked about the Matrix sequels for like five fucking hours. What the fuck am I going to do with West Side Story? Uh, yeah, number one, it's the best. Everyone watch West Side Story, unless you genuinely can't stand to look at Ansel Elgort, in which case, again, completely understand
1: because. Uh, yeah, yeah obviously yeah
0: yeah i think that's that's it then oh um yeah. shout out to co-writer uh, or writer tony kushner who whenever he works with spielberg just makes bangers because they made lincoln and munich together mm-hmm. so maybe they'll get like a best adapted screenplay for this one maybe uh yeah this is great good top 10 thank you everyone for for responding to the tweets too Tons yeah thank you
1: yeah that was a got a lot of uh notifications there thank you guys
0: yeah yeah thank you uh, gene any final thoughts before we head off into the new year
1: hopefully uh 2022 less covid don't have to worry about that and more people get vaccinated so we could uh go to the movies more and not worry so but a good year for for the films that we did see in the theaters this year
0: yeah i would like to see scream in a theater without fearing for my life Mm -hmm. that would be nice to do that
1: yeah they they need to fear for the life on the screen not not in the audience but yeah yeah. um stay healthy though please any listeners out there
0: yeah stay healthy um maybe avoid large crowds for a little bit uh hospitalizations are thankfully not rising to the extent of uh cases but just be careful doesn't You know, the vaccine is supposed to stop you from being hospitalized, Uh which it it is. Maybe listen to that. (laughs) That's not made up. That's real. Um, If you're someone who who says, I need to do my own research, shut up. Sorry, Uh you're not smarter than a doctor, at least most of the doctors. Um, But like, yeah, just just take care of yourself. Follow the science. Um, Maybe ignore the CDC on the one thing about the five-day uh, isolation instead of yeah. 10 days that's like the one thing i would recommend that's ridiculous mm-hmm. um maybe call your representatives too and let them know that you're very upset about <laughs> yeah all this bullshit and uh, you know get your voices heard but uh yeah yeah good good movie year otherwise good talk we'll be back next year with with a bunch of fun guests gene and i got a uh, got some ideas we'll, we'll be talking about and um
1: yeah that's it gene where can the people find you uh twitter and instagram g9892
0: you can follow me at the diego crespo check out the waffle press on twitter youtube SoundCloud, spotify itunes and patreon and get some early access to at least one retrospective coming up so uh keep that in mind um if not the time of this recording later in the day of the recording so don't tell anyone what it is either if you listen to it because it's yeah. a fun one um yeah i guess that's it uh also keep an eye out on the youtube page which might have a fun surprise in the first week of uh of january mm-hmm. yeah all right everyone thanks for listening thanks for watching we've been professionally unprofessional